1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is
0: Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass, move along. boy Frankie Kravitz checks in he says hey Sid sorry I missed you at the show Friday night I tried to say hello but you were swamped with fans I really did I couldn't leave for an hour it took me an hour grabbing and pulling and taking pictures it was maybe my biggest rock star moment in my career it was wild Frankie says I did get a chance to talk to Danielle and Gabe the show was great I went with my Uncle Jerry and my cousin Scott. They all enjoyed it as well. It was great to see you finally rocking triple black, black shirt, black pants, black jacket. Maybe you guys can do it in New Jersey next. A bunch of folks have reached out to me from Phoenix to Florida to Jersey. But, of course, this wasn't my show. I was honored and humbled to be a part of it. It was Bill O'Reilly's show, and Bill was amazing on Friday. That first 40 minutes, I laughed the whole time. I laughed the whole time. (laughs) The non Isis, Mother Isis. I was just, it was a a riot. It really was. And he put it together, and it was great. So here he is. He's usually here on Thursdays, of course, 9 p.m. every weeknight on WABC, his tremendous website, BillO'Reilly.com, and the man who put it all together and starred on Friday night, the great Bill O'Reilly. Good morning, Bill.
1: You know, the reason you were mobbed was the beauty enhancements. you have
0: been participating in. Nicely done. I
1: couldn't believe it. I thought it was... uh, (laughs) The Rock there. Yeah. That was was fun. Yeah, good show. Uh, Everybody had a good time. Packed house. I wrote a column, for those of you who didn't see it, the show obviously, seated about 1100 in the theater, um, about the theme of the show, which was right and wrong. And this is germane to almost everything that we're talking about in uh, political arena, social arena today. Uh, Just briefly, uh, I told the audience about my upbringing in Levittown and uh, the characters and my parents and the nuns and, and all that. And then Sid did the same. Uh, with his upbringing in in Brooklyn. But the commonality, um, there were a lot of commonalities because my father was raised just blocks away from Sid on West Street in Brooklyn. But it was good and evil. There was right and wrong in the house and in the schools. That's gone. And so I wrote a column about that. That right and wrong now have disintegrated, and that's why you're seeing these loons on the college campuses who have been brought up in an atmosphere where there is no right and wrong. All right? It's, there's always an excuse for it. There's always a rationalization for whatever conduct you do. And you, everybody knows people who I'm talking about now when their kids are obnoxious as hell and doing crazy things, and the parents make excuses for them. We all know that I mean it's just crazy, so these kids grow up, they go to college, and they don't know that terrorism is wrong it, It's hard to believe, but they don't know because there's an excuse for it and And when you grow up in that atmosphere, the far left of course, fosters that, all right, no judgments, you know the people who reject religion across the board are the people who don't want to be judged for what they do and so that was the theme of the show we did it in a funny way we did it in a way I think everybody in the theater could identify with because my life is your life Sid's life is your life although you may not have the beauty enhancements that Sid has Go to your
0: happy place for a happy price. Go to your
1: happy price, price line.
0: Yeah, that uh, commercial ran right before Bill hopped on. He suddenly pays attention. I'll give him that, Bill O'Reilly. And yeah, you're right. It was, um, it was a, a, um, humor approach to a lot of the issues that we're faced with today. I think a lot of the issues, too. And you keep hearing this, you know, nothing is really black and white anymore. Everything is gray. That's right. And I don't agree with that. There's just some stuff that's black and white. And for me, and I'm coming off harsh here, and I'm sure there's people on the streets right now that... I don't know my name, but there's not two sides to this Israeli-Hamas conflict. And I don't want to see little children die, but this idea that Palestinians are innocent when they're raised to hate Jews and kill Jews in the second grade is just not true. It's not true. They were handing out candies and dancing in the streets and smacking hostages as they came by on mopeds on that Saturday morning. So you hate to see anybody, quote-unquote, innocent die, but they are raised not to be innocent. This is not a gray area. One side got attacked in the most brutal of fashion. Now it's the time for that side to go back and take revenge. And if people die, I hate to say it,
1: people die. Okay, so historically, this is the best way to approach that. And the problem with my analysis in the next two minutes is that a lot of the haters don't care. They're comfortable hating, and that's a neurosis. That's a mental illness. Okay, so when we were attacked on 9-11, there was nobody calling for a ceasefire. Nobody would dare do that because they would be ostracized in America for doing that. And so uh, for the next 20 years continuing to today, the United States government assassinated The leadership of the Islamic Jihad, and that's killing the killers. That's my book, Killing the Killers. Okay? I take you through it. And even to this day, there's nobody in America that you couldn't dare do it, say, no, okay, enough. Leave the terrorists alone. Leave the 9-11, al-Qaedas, and ISIS alone. We've we've done enough. Nobody's going to do that. But when it's overseas, when it's in a place that you've never been to, Gaza and Israel, and it doesn't affect your life directly, then it's a different story. But all you have to do is harken back to World War II when there were literally millions of civilians killed in Germany and Japan by Allied forces. Everybody knows the atomic bomb. I went through that. My father uh, would have been killed in the invasion had that not been dropped. Um, but there are people who run around America today go, oh, uh, the United States is the bad country for dropping the atomic bombs. You've heard it. Reverend Wright, Obama's minister, said that. Um, so once it gets personal in the United States, there isn't nobody uh, – to this day, very few historians will say that the Allied bombings of the German and Japanese cities were wrong. I mean, a few, but they're they're just crazy. But in the current conflict, which is a war, no, we don't have the same application. Why not? Because it's a different time now. And that's the theme. That was the theme of the Huntington show. Back in the 60s and 70s, before the Vietnam stuff came in, there was a code of behavior in America. You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't perjure yourself. You don't take narcotics. All right, this, this is wrong. That's gone now. You can lie your butt off under oath in a courtroom, and nothing will happen to you. You can punch somebody in the jaw on the subway, and nothing will happen to you. Once you get into that level of anarchy. The whole thinking, logical thinking, goes flying right out the window for these younger people. And that's what's really driving this, Sid, this anti-Israel stuff. You know, it's the younger people who don't know. They've never been taught any kind of code at all. Yeah. No,
0: you're right. I mean, you know, I've told people, um, I've had people tell me, in fact, that have been to the riots back in 2020, the BLM riots, that they recognize these kids put that ridiculous schmata on their face, but they're not hiding anything. They recognize they're the same kids,
1: the same oh, kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. core. But, yeah. but, but it's worse than that because when you go into places like Harvard, like Cornell, like the University of Pennsylvania, you step into a different world. Even my old college, Marist College at Poughkeepsie, New York, absolutely a lunatic asylum now. Yeah, no, I know. Because I know. the people who run it, are the progressive left who don't believe in judgments.
0: Well, you know what, then? The people who do believe in judgments, and there's got to be a couple that are giving these universities millions and millions of dollars. I did see one donor who gave, I think, a billion to Harvard, pull out. I saw another guy last week who gave a ton of money to Columbia, pull out. It's time for folks who are help funding these universities to take out the money. That's it. Stop giving right. these institutions money.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if you're donating to these institutions, then you are donating to the hate club. I don't care what they, the, yeah. the Palestinian grievance club, it's not, it's not. It's the hate club. All right? Let's have the hate fraternity, all right? Okay, here we go. <laughs> so we'll just haze Jews. Yeah. And if you just haze Jews, you can get into the to the hate club. Interestingly enough, you can hate Jews, but you can't hate blacks. No, that's correct. No, That's right? correct. So there's a code of hatred. It's... Because Israel is a fascist country. That's the thinking. Um, so getting back, you know, people ask me, and I'm sure they ask you, are we ever going to be the United States again? They ask are me all the time. Are we going to get back to, you know, a place where there's a president of the United States who will stand up and say, you know what? We're going to be a country that has a right and a wrong. We're not going to tolerate millions of people violating immigration law anymore because we have a law in the books to stop that. We're not gonna to tolerate no bail. We're not gonna to tolerate, the latest is giving houses to drug addicts. That's the latest. Yeah. So when you hear housing for the homeless, that's what this is. So you're addicted to drugs, you don't wanna get off the drugs. But the state is going to give you a house.
0: Not just give you a house, but outside that house, or maybe in the lobby of that house. This is almost as unbelievable. I'm a recovering addict myself. We just lost Matthew Perry on Saturday. Right. They're going to have a vending machine downstairs in your lobby right, where they're going you to sell you
1: pipes and needles. Right, right. So this is where we have gone wrong. Now, let's end on an optimistic note. Um, When Sid and I were on stage, we got our point across, all right? But we did it with humor. We did it in an entertaining way. We engaged the audience. We weren't striding people banging the podium up there. And that's the way to do it, To, to point out the absurdity of where we're heading in New York State and in the United States of America. If you don't have a code of behavior, you have anarchy. And that's what we are seeing in our city now. Because the politicians we have elected are too weak to stand up for what is right. They will not do it, and neither will Biden.
0: You know what's funny? You're right about that, and Biden, to me, is sending all these mixed messages. One day he's pro-Israel, the next day, well, I'm not so sure. Be careful. Don't kill Palestinians. But when you talked about you and I delivering the message on Friday night with humor, I know I keep bringing this guy up, and I may be annoying people, but I'm sorry, because I didn't love this guy nearly as much three years ago as I do now. But when I watched Donald Trump in Sioux City, Iowa this weekend, and he was talking about some serious topics, israel Russia, Ukraine, inflation, uh, the economy, the whole thing. But he must have gotten 50 laughs, just like you did in the first 40 minutes you were up on stage. He delivered a very important message. But the crowd was laughing along the way, not to equate us to Donald Trump. But the effectiveness is there when, in fact, you can get out these serious points with a little bit of humor, even with a job as serious as the presidency. I believe that's part of Donald Trump's
1: appeal. Well, look, Trump. all Trump has to do to win re-election is stop the personal stuff, whether it's court, whether it's this or it's that. His audience is there. You don't need to do that. What you need to do is persuade the people who are on the fence. And all you have to do is say this, and everybody should write this down and send it to Donald Trump today. In my four years in office, inflation was 1.4 percent. In my four years in office, we cut illegal immigration at the southern border by 75 percent. Real wages went up 8 percent. We had no trouble in Ukraine, no trouble in Israel, no conflict across the board. We didn't lose any soldiers or Marines in Afghanistan. Just keep ticking off what the historical reality was from 16 to 20. That's all he needs to do. But of course, he's not going to do that. <laughs> you know, no, he's not. No, no, he, no. But no. I mean, look, I'm a technician. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the history of it, you look at the history yeah. of those four years to Biden's three. Oh
0: my God, Come it on. is. Oh, it just, is. Yeah, I know. And you could add uh, castrated Iran. As part of that Trump history, sure,
1: and wiped out ISIS. Yeah. yeah, so now you have a, a resurgence of the uh, terrorist uh, industry under Biden because he's perceived as weak, and and that's how you get back, Mr. President Donald Trump. That's how you get back, and just strip it down. So anyway, I really appreciate I want everybody to know that Sid was uh was a great partner uh on stage. It was a flow we didn't rehearse that show at all. None. I mean there's no rehearsal. No. You know, Sid was eating so furiously backstage that we couldn't rehearse. <laughs> That's the food was free. <laughs> they just laid it out. The guys, the Doyle brothers, at the Huntington Theater. I mean, they put out a big spread. I was I mean, hungry. I, and and you know who was eating the most? Oh. Curtis. Curtis. I, I've never seen food piled up in front of a human being like that. Curtis thought he was at a Mongolian barbecue. My God. I said, Karen, "Are you going to eat a goat oh, next? Do we have to bring a goat in here for you?" He did eat it a lot. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, Curtis's head almost <laughs> fell off. He was chewing so furiously. It was crazy. It was.
0: It was great. He did eat a lot. He was. Uh, he oh, it loved it. I'm
1: glad, Curtis. And Curtis got a big. Round of applause when he walked
0: in. Huge, out. huge. Yeah. And then uh, at one point during the show when we talked about him possibly being mayor, he got another huge round of applause. And, listen, for me it was just an honor to share the stage with you. I don't know how I got here, but, um, man, I, I just I walked off at the end and I was like, that was surreal, and you were great and brilliant and funny and smart. And uh, I say this, and I know my dad is is listening right now, it was truly Bill O'Reilly Truly one of the greatest nights of my life, and I can't thank you enough. And, man, do I love you. Thank you so much. Well,
1: we appreciate it. We'll look into a Jersey venue. Uh, maybe we can do that. Um, and it's Halloween tomorrow when everybody, uh, Sid and I, will be trick-or-treating in Bensonhurst. <laughs> so if you see one guy with beauty enhancements and uh, the other guy who's about 95, that'll be us. Um, and Killing the Witch is Best Halloween book yes. ever. Yes. Ever. that Have is some fun. Good idea. Doing, is, yep.
0: The hey, Sid, thanks
1: a lot for everything. Always, uh, always fun.
0: Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. Bill O'Reilly, folks.